Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Heart of Healthcare. I'm your host, Hallie Tecco. Today, I wanted to discuss how the healthcare system is failing men. Discussions about gender disparities in medicine often veer towards the challenges women face, and rightfully so. But the fact is, men are not spared from one enormous gender gap, life expectancy. Men have higher mortality rates at every age. And on average, men live six fewer years than women. This is even worse for Black and Native American men. So I wrote an entire blog post about this that you can read on my website, hallietecho.com, and we'll also link to it in the show notes. But because we know representation is important, I wanted to invite a man on the show to share his perspective as a patient and a digital health investor. So my guest today is Steve Krause. Steve is a partner at Bessemer and a world-renowned healthcare investor. Steve, welcome to The Heart of Healthcare. Thanks, Hallie. Great to see (laughs) you. Excited to have you here. So uh, by the time this airs, my blog post will be live, um, but you have read it. And where do you want to start? I mean, where I kind of want to start is why men avoid care, because that seemed to be such a glaring problem is that men are avoiding going to the doctor in the first place. Yeah, well, first of all, great piece. I'm here to represent a gender, which is uh, a little scary, but I'll do my best. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, your piece made me question after I read through all of it, is this like an evolutionary biological thing, like, you know, that we could talk about in more detail? Yeah. And that stems from a whole host of reasons, I can imagine. Or is this something that can be changed over time, hopefully with the more progressive nature of our society, more education, Obviously, demographics changing. Will there be changes that that'll lead to men being more active in their care? I, you know, I I think there's yeah. an evolutionary biological reason which we can talk about that you know we should get into. But I'm hopeful yeah. that obviously this will change over time. Yeah, it feels cultural though, right? It feels like men avoiding the doctor. There was that chart about why men avoid the doctor and being too busy or being afraid of getting uh, information that they don't want or being uncomfortable, being naked underneath the gowns. Like a lot of it, a lot of the reasons that men gave in this poll were just the discomfort in being in a physical setting, which would make you think that telemedicine would kind of solve a lot of these problems. But we also know that men are not utilizing telemedicine the same way women are. So I'm curious what you think this, like, what's the biological reason that men are avoiding care? Well, I I think it's all relative, right? So I think people in general, regardless of their gender, avoid care. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not sure like our, our people doing preventative care, regardless of their gender is, is, is as high as it should be. But my, my sort of when I thought about it, I mean, we know women generally are the caregivers of their family. And I think, you know, frankly, I mean, you've been through it as a woman. When you give birth, there is a there is a, you know, I assume as a woman, there's a real biological evolutionary attachment to your child. 
and you know, you take on that responsibility, the magnitude of that. And I think that probably impacts women being more responsible for care of their family, but also probably care for themselves, right? And I, I'm not sure that there's that attachment necessarily as a, as, a, as a male, right? Like I thought, you know, we're gonna talk about hymns later. Andrew, the CEO, noted in that press release when they were getting into heart health that really the first time he thought about heart health for himself was when he became a, when he became a father, right? And that he wanted more fathers, more grandfathers to think about that. I thought that was really interesting. Like I think as a yeah. male, as young people, regardless of gender, I think we all think we're invincible, right? But the first time I think you really hits upon you is when this other being, hopefully if you're lucky enough, right, to have, have, have a, or you choose to have a child, it's a real responsibility. And I, so I, my, my first hope is that men, I, I'm not sure they feel that as much as women and they don't often, unfortunately, because of whole host of reasons we can talk about. I think that's changing, take on the responsibility of the care of their family as much. We know that from statistics, but I think yeah. that's the first time. And the second time, obviously, is something happens to you from a health perspective or a loved one. And so I, I think that's sort of one cultural reason for sure. There's others which we can talk about too, but I yeah. think that's one cultural reason. Well, I think there's, there, obviously there's avoidance, right? The research shows there's avoidance, but I also wonder if there's not enough drawing in of men specifically. And the, the chart I have in my blog post that shows the preventive services that are recommended for women versus men. So women are, are drawn, I mean, we get a pap when we're 18, right? Like we really start down this train of regular screenings with our OBs from a very young age. And we don't have that equivalent. Men, men, Really, they have a prime. Hopefully, they have a primary care physician. We know not all men do, but they're not being reminded. Like I, I literally get postcards. That's like, oh, it's time for your pap, time for your mammogram. Like I have all these screenings, and the fact is that there are really only twelve screenings recommended for men their entire lives, whereas women have nineteen plus an additional five during pregnancy, and these are often routine, annual, or every three years that we have to have these screenings. So I think there's something about also not pulling men in, and I don't think we should be having screenings for like screening sake, that's just going to add cost. But I do think that there could be a better way to normalize, like pull, like being like, you have to come in. It's your, it's time. Come on. Like we need to make no, sure I mean, everything's good over there. Totally. And by the way, there's an additional 11 for children. So back to my other yeah. point, right? It's not actually yeah. only 19 for women. It's 19 plus five plus 11. I mean, there's a lot more mm-hmm. interactions that the, the, you know, the healthcare system is guiding Unfortunately, women as caregiver, the main caregivers, families to interact with the system. And, and when you interact with the system, you realize it's, you know, in preventative, it's not as scary. Like the whole point of preventative care is you want to avoid the scary stuff. Right. So I, I think it, you know, I, I've I've had a colonoscopy. I, I had it because I had my 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 mom. I lost her to pancreatic cancer seven years ago. And then my dad three years ago got colon cancer. And um, luckily he survived. Luckily he, he caught it through a colonoscopy. And so, you know, for me, because I had prior history, I actually was supposed to come in before the age of 45. And it's good to see the, 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 the guidelines go from 50 to 45 for men. So hopefully it can draw more people in because, you know, yes, the prep is bad, but let me tell you, it is, it is, uh, it was the best, the, the propofol and it was the best night's sleep I've ever gotten <laughs> in a long time. And frankly, it's not a bad procedure. And you know what? You find stuff. Like, I think the one thing I'm optimistic about, about demographic changes, which is the other side of the argument is I do think with changing demographics, with, with, with family workplace dynamics, changing more women in the workforce, hopefully more men assuming responsibility for the family over time. Um, I think, frankly, I know among my young peers, a lot more interest in preventative care, like preventative yeah. screenings, like Pronovo and Grail. I, I'm hoping that over time, 
And then with services like One Medical, right, and other services that are trying to reach, yeah. you know, a different demographic that maybe people become more comfortable with seeing a primary care doc. Like you should do it every yeah. year. I do it every year. I don't know why people don't, but that's my hope. Well, if you don't, if you don't go see the PCP, no one's going to tell you, hey, you should get this test early because of your family history. Right. Like you, right. you need someone to kind of pull you in. And so having like a PCP where it's like not scary and <laughs> it's like a comfortable, safe environment where you ha- can like build that relationship, I think is I, important. I also wonder if there's like a public health campaign. You know, people don't know these mm. guidelines. They don't even I bet most men don't even know the stat you started off with that just yeah. by way of your gender, you're six years, you have six years left lifespan. Like, wouldn't right. you want to try to, you know, maximize <laughs> that and going to, you know, getting a PCP. I mean, frankly, one of the issues is there is a PCP shortage and there's a long uh, wait time. And that often discourages consumers, especially younger people who are used to getting on demand. Right. So I think some of the things like Kim's that we're going to talk about that you talk about in your blog post are and one medical are are really great because that's trying to provide more access more easy access more uber like access and hopefully that'll draw people of all gender into preventative primary care services yeah well let's i mean okay let's talk about erectile dysfunction as the gateway for men into healthcare so i think when a lot of these companies like hims and roe were popping up there was chatter that's like you know, there are bigger problems. Why are we just worrying about like, you know, boners? And, um, <laughs> but, but I think that it's, it's become more clear to everyone, investors, founders in the space that actually the connection between ED and other heart problems is clear, right? So it's actually that ED is, is a gateway to broader health because it's actually a symptom of heart problems. Well, you know, Viagra, you know, Viagra, hell, it was, was originally meant to be a cardiovascular drug. And I did as, not part, know that. as okay. part of the studies, they saw an interesting side effect, which you just referenced um, yeah. in, in a lot of their patients who took the drug, uh. which is <laughs> which is uh, non-erectile dysfunction, let's say. And so actually it got repurposed to be uh, ED drugs. So anyways, there is a, yeah. there's actually a mechanism of action connection to, yeah. to cardiovascular uh, disease. Interesting. So. That is interesting. Um, but yeah, so so if, if this is something that men are like, all right, when it comes to my sexual performance, I'm going to get this figured out. I, hopefully it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, it does seem like this has become uh, a way for men to start interacting. And Hims and Roe have been quite successful. I'm curious, like your take on, yeah, I mean, these companies that maybe people didn't take so seriously five, six years ago, how have they shifted the narrative? And how do they have a a role in broader men's health? Yeah, I, um, I have to be honest, I miss them. Um, and you know, I, I didn't, I didn't appreciate how large that category was. Tell me what you said. What was your what was your reason for passing? I you passed know, on Roe. I yeah, I, I think it was just the, the 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 category of ED and not seeing beyond that. Um, actually, all of those companies, Hims, Roe, and Thirty Madison, have great great leaders. So it wasn't you know it, it was more about just underestimating the larger vision. And clearly, Hims has proven just from its own public performance, right? Which is now you can see their financials that there's a big TAM there, and they can actually do it in a profitable way. I think they've reported that they're profitable, and now they've expanded the vision. So I definitely miss that one. My, you know, I'm hopeful. The good thing about ED drugs and and some cardiovascular drugs is, especially the statins, is they are generic, right? And so, you know, Hims and Roe and Thirty Madison, they're going after right now more of a cash pay business, more of a private pay business, right? Which only touches some part of the of the healthcare consumer. Some people can't afford cash pay. Some people are covered by insurance. So this is a specific demographic, but. Statins like ED drugs are low cost. So I actually think it does make sense that they're now getting to heart health. 
And I was pretty impressed to see that they have the American Car- Cardiology Society. My friend Ami Bhatt, who's the innovation director there, was quoted in their announcement. And like that suggests to me that a really established, you know, uh, group of cardiologists is is excited about what Hims is going to do in heart health. I'm really curious to see how far they get into managing the entire heart health episode. Heart health episode. That's the question. And how far can they branch into? all segments of the population, right? Yeah. But it's great to see. And I'm, I'm glad it's more than just an ED company, for sure. Yeah, the, oh, for sure. They've expanded. And, and both of them are doing women's health as well now. But do you think that there's a chance for them to be the OBGYN care for men, where they're, they're your primary doc, they're connecting you to any sort of you know specialized health needs that you have, whether it's ED or cardiovascular? Like, could they be that hub that we kind of talked about in the middle that's like, pulling you in and asking about your family history and recommending different tests and screenings. Yeah, I do. As I, I, Yes, for sure. A lot will be t- proven by this heart health next journey they're taking. I think they can be the yeah. front door for sure. I think they can be the primary care. They're going to have to ultimately integrate with the as-is system, right? Because if you have serious cardiovascular events, there's a point where you have to move beyond statins and better nutrition and diet, Right. Um, and exercise into actually potentially, you know, electrophysiology or invasive procedures. And so how does a company that is primarily direct to consumer, which I'm excited about, because as I said, many of my younger colleagues don't interact with the as a system. They do, they like the telemedicine services, but how do you, how do you navigate that journey? I think it's going to be really interesting to see, but I'm glad they're pulling people who currently aren't using the system to our earlier conversation about why don't people see a doctor? Like I'd rather have people, those people seeing someone, right? Because you can measure the wonderful thing about cardiology is of all the different ologies or specialties out there. It is the place where Apple and Google and Fitbits, where a lot of the device manufacturers, tech companies have invested a lot of money to do remote monitoring, right? Which is something that Mm. a, a telemedicine company can use to manage symptoms in a preventive way, blood pressure, heart rate variability, pulse oximetry. Yeah. You can do that all with devices these days and they're only getting better and they're only getting better with AI. So I think the preventative side of heart health, they have a real shot. Ultimately, I think they're gonna have to integrate with the as a system if there's procedures that need to be done, but that's okay. Sure. We're talking about preventative health today, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. not procedures. Yeah, well, and they're gonna need to, to work with the health plans, right? For sure. For yeah. sure. Because well, right now they're not, they're covering, I mean, you know, cash pay is probably what, 10, 20% of healthcare. You got to cover Medicaid, yeah. commercial and Medicare, but let's start with getting the people who aren't right? using the system in first. I mean, how, how much they've grown these businesses just on cash pay is, is impressive. It's very promising that once right. they kind of unlocked health plans. So for, for folks who don't know uh, what Steve's talking about with the heart health by Hims, they just recently announced this program after recognizing that a third of their customers have one or more factors that can put them at higher risk for developing CBD. So what they are now doing is they offer this like single pill combination therapy that addresses both ED and high cholesterol simultaneously. So instead of being on a separate medication for each, you have one pill and hopefully uh, that increases your chances of adherence, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's neat to see them kind of get into that. What other opportunities, and we talked a lot about heart health, what are other opportunities that you feel like are just massive within men's health? Oh, I think you, you address one in your piece, mental health. Yeah. I mean, I think of, I think that one is, um, yeah. I mean, there's just been, a, I mean, thank God for the mental health parity act and people like Patrick Kennedy who pushed this, you know, our, our industry 10 years ago, didn't even recognize or pay for mental health. Right. So we've come a long way, 
but I think there's a stigma. And I imagine there's sort of like a genderization of that stigma, masculinity, not being able to talk with your feelings, all of this stuff that I don't quite get because I grew up in a family of really powerful women who I think guided <laughs> me. But, but you know, I, I, I think you pointed out, I mean, there's a real yeah. disparity in terms of the gender imbalance in seeking mental health services. And yeah. unfortunately, our past president, like you've seen this epidemic of lonely men in our world, right? And, yeah. and you know, the changing demographics of the workforce, the changing nature of jobs and the white more sort of upscale jobs. There's a whole section of our country, a lot of men who are out of work, which obviously leads to mental health issues. And so I just yep. think we got to get over this because sure. that mental health leads to so many other physical ailments and, and, and not just medical substance light substance yeah. use. You know, I, yeah. I know I, I have a company that focuses on opioid addiction and, and the, you know, it's really in those parts of America, unfortunately, where it hits yeah. worse. And then of course it, it, it affects all other parts of your life, your ability to get a job, the stability of your family. I mean, it's just so many downstream impacts yeah. of, of this, that, you know, this has got to be figured out. It's, it's yeah. a real challenge. There's no shortage of mental health startups, right? Like, in fact, I feel like that's one of the spaces where investors are often telling me this is crowded. I'm not, I already have a, a company in this space. But when it, when you look at them, they're not, they're, they're, they are, you know, gen, gender agnostic. Um, but I talked to, I, I did find one startup that was mental health specifically for men. And I mm. talked to the founder who was previously head of data at Calm. And what he told me was that it's not that men are hesitant to try new things. It's that they're more likely to bounce. So they're like, all right, I'll try this. But then this isn't my thing. Like talk therapy is like awkward. And so that's why he wanted to start this company that's like specifically towards men, which made me kind of think, right? So we have this like idea of personalized medicine from like the therapy aspect. So the treatment that you get is based on certain demographic or physiological or genetic factors, right? But what if we think about personalized medicine from just the like marketing standpoint, like just like the voice, the messaging, the tone, the colors that you use. Like if we know that a man or a woman downloading the Calm app have a different experience, like why can't we personalize it so that if you're coming in and you're a man, you're more likely to resonate with this sort of messaging that's more likely you're more likely to then follow through with the program and see outcomes. Like we don't ever talk about personalized medicine from like the like top of the funnel. Yeah. Yeah. From member yeah. engagement, like if we're marketing and member engagement, it's always about just like the therapies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because you think about a lot, even some of the DTC ED companies, there's a lot of masculinity that's portrayed in their advertisements. <laughs> I mean, I gotta be honest, you, you know, the drug companies you see on TV, right? I mean, and you think about most of the mental health companies, it's a lot of feelings. I'm, I'm obviously, you know, yeah. t but it's a lot of feelings. And so it's a really good point. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's kind of trying to target how mental health can resonate with men. One of the thoughts I had is I, I mentioned this opioid addiction company we have called Groups. And I've sat in a bunch of groups. It's group-based therapy for folks who suffer from addiction. Very powerful model. Actually, we have as many men as women in the groups. And I was thinking, is there a group-based male mental health therapy? Like, is there is a is yeah. the being able to be in a room with just men, right? And maybe just a man male counselor who's been through what you've been through. Is there something yeah. to that that would be interesting? Because one on one, it's scary. Men don't like talking about their feelings. But if you see another guy talking about their feelings, well, hey, or an, and another guy in a in a group, and you can do this via telemedicine. Hey, maybe maybe it's okay yeah. to talk about your feelings, right? So I was yeah. I was sort of thinking about that as a model that might work and bring people in. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's there's research that shows that, you know, women, young women benefit from single sex classrooms mm-hmm. um, for various reasons of the dynamic in the classroom and the tension between girls and boys at that age in high school. Um, I actually wrote my high school thesis on it. I went to a public co-ed school, but was very salty that I didn't go to an all-girls school being a young feminist. But I wonder if there's some of that principle that is also within within these I mean, we, Chat by the way, they, they, yeah, they make the argument for single sex boys schools too, right? Because, you know, and so why should it be at eight? Like to your point, why should it just be yeah. for kids who are <laughs> in high school? Maybe that's true for adults too. Um, sure, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about therapy and like how you can group people. I mean, we, we recognize that there's a cultural competency when it comes to certain, you know, racial groups or gen- gender when it comes to women, right? Like we recognize this, right? Maven has become a a multi-billion dollar company selling to employers to serve women employees because they know that they're underserved. But then that leaves men with kind of the watered down versions of whatever is trying to please everyone. And maybe it's really just not as effective for any, any one group. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. That's for another podcast. I mean, I think (laughs) if you could get half of Americans to live another year, that's probably a good investment from an ROI yeah. perspective, from a public health perspective, right? And and not yeah. just live another year, but hopefully have a health ha- healthier, happier, productive year or two, yeah. right? To your point. My yeah. only other thing, which we can talk about later at some other point, is I also think value-based care could push this because value-based care, mm. by definition, wants to lead to more preventative measures and not bringing people in, right, to have those preventative services versus all the downstream yeah. costs that come out if you don't do that. So I thought that was the last yeah. thing from pub- a public health perspective that I have optimism about is that yeah. that movement might lead to more people getting care sooner. That makes sense. Well, Steve Krause, thank you so much for being here. So much fun. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Heart of Healthcare. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. The Heart of Healthcare is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our host is Hallie Tecco. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.